Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the law offices of Pretoria Law in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, William Tidwell-Cressa, Gray Kunapask, who is KFA Wealth Management Group, and Josh Levy, Brunch Digital, Les Small and Vistage, and Les... Can you give us a rundown on who we have on the show today, please? Sure. We have Tony Frazier, President, Radiant Solutions. Kevin Robbins, Managing Director at Wolf Den Associates. Olivia Trevisani-Balker, CEO at Ambivero. And Steve Martin, Founder, Pace Harmon. I'd like to introduce our first guest, Tony Frazier, President of Radiant Solutions. Tony, what is Radiant Solutions? What are you guys doing? So Radiant Solutions is a geospatial services company that's focused on helping national security and commercial customers understand and navigate our changing planet. Huh, interesting. Uh, where were you from originally? I'm from Northeast Ohio, a town uh, called Canton. Mm-hmm. And uh, how large or how small is this team th- at work? How large, how large or small is this business? How many so people? So we have about 1,000 people about at Radiant. A, about 1,000 people. You're originally from Ohio. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Uh-huh. What was going on with you in your childhood, 8 to 14 years old? Uh, well, my parents split. Uh, when I was young, so mm-hmm. still in grade school, uh, and so uh, we were, my mom uh, was a, a single parent raising three three children. Uh-huh. What, kind of, what kind of, what were you doing? What kind of sports were you playing in 8 to 14? I played lots of sports. Uh, coming up, my mom liked to keep us busy, so uh, played uh, baseball, uh, did some track, wrestling, but gravitated towards football as what, my main sport. What was, uh, what was your role on the football team? What, like, what, what kind of stuff did you do there? So uh, I played... Uh, guard and linebacker mm-hmm. uh, and in terms of the positions and then over time you know, became a leader of the team so captain captain of the football team uh-huh. and uh, something happened when you were about 15 years old what was that yeah so uh, going into my junior year of high school uh, third game of the season I blew out my knee um, mm. so had a uh, you know, tore three or four ligaments uh, in my knee and, and so had about a year when I had to uh, get surgery and then rehabilitation. So what did that do to you? What did you learn from that period of time where you were out of football for about a year that has anything to do with business? I think one of the things it taught me was that uh, the importance of, you know, hard work and uh, persistence uh, in, uh, you know, getting what you want. Uh-huh. You mentioned about the, you used the word delayed gratification in the green room. What was that all about? So uh, I, <coughs> I had a, uh, it, it was a long road back. I mean, it was, you know, three months on crutches, uh, nine months of rehabilitation to go in my senior year. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, win the league championship, you know, that year I made all state. Um, and so, you know, the, the need to kind of put in the hard work every day, uh, you know, training sessions in the morning, uh, lifting in at night, you know, it was all kind of the building blocks to, wow. to be able to uh, uh-huh. accomplish what I wanted. Lester? Yeah, you, you had mentioned that you uh, grew up, uh, it was a single-parent household, just your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how did that impact you, just growing up in that environment, being the oldest of three? I think it, uh, it taught, you know, my mom was really focused on making sure we had a better life uh, for ourselves. And so she had very high expectations, you know, for, for us. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you focused on education uh, and also in um, taking care of business? What did she do? She uh, she was a uh, public servant, so she worked for a local town uh, where she led a uh, housing rehabilitation unit. Um, so uh, she helped close to a thousand families uh, get uh, grants and loans to be able to repair their roofs, fix plumbing. Were you aware of what she was doing when she was doing all that? Yeah, absolutely. It was. Uh, I mean, she she uh, held down that job, mm-hmm. uh, worked other jobs. Yeah. David, what do you got? Uh, tell us about Coach Wakefield. So, uh, Coach Wakefield was uh, the head football coach at my high school, uh, Maslin Perry uh, High School. Uh, he uh, led a, a a team that you know came from very different backgrounds. Um, so, uh, different socioeconomic uh, ethnicities. 
and uh, you know he had high expectations for us. And so one of the the sayings he told me then, which I still use now with my team and family, is you get better or worse every day. You never stay the same. Dave, uh, William, what do you got? What do you think? Of? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering about uh, your mom. Uh, obviously very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got two siblings. Um, sometimes great parents aren't enough. Uh, it takes more than that. So have, have your siblings also found the same kind of success you have? You've, you've gone to an Ivy League school. You're running a major organization. What do they do? So my brother is, uh, he runs a, a regional distribution center for Toyota. Uh, he's been with them for mm-hmm. 17 years uh, mm-hmm. and done really well. My sister is a uh, cardiologist at Duke University, mm-hmm. so she's uh, we, we also understand well. that um, you know when y- you managed uh, to play college football and also study. What was going on? Where was the drive coming from? What was that all about? So. <coughs> uh, I love football, you know, growing up, but, you know, again, you know, my, my, my mom was very focused on us getting education as a way to create opportunity. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, so when I went to Penn, you know, I uh, was an engineer. There weren't many engineers <laughs> on the Penn football team. And I remember having a conversation with a coach about my priorities, and uh, he, he, uh, he asked me to go to a film session that conflicted with uh, an engineering class, and I told uh-huh. him, look, you know, i got to focus on yeah, my future. Wow. Greg? You told us you grew your business from 250 people to 1,000 people in a very short period of time through acquisitions. Tell me about, you know, how, growing up, how, how were you able to, what did you learn growing up to help you, you know, pull that together? I think one of the things that you learn playing uh, football is that you need to bring diverse teams together to focus on a common objective. And uh, you know, when I started uh, getting involved in acquisitions, you know, you you have um, you know a lot of small companies that you know had more of a you know family orientation you know to them, but getting them to uh, focus on a new mission, you know, a new purpose, and something bigger than themselves, you know, was there were a lot of parallels there. Mm-hmm. Josh, what do you think? So. I understood you were injured uh, when you were playing football. How did that translate to you being able to focus on or refocus yourself and your academia and studies? I think uh, it, again, it, it just, it was, uh, it, it, it level set what was important. Uh, you know, in growing up in Canton, Ohio, it's home to Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, most kids think about playing in, you know, Big Ten college football, you know, team and then, you know, playing in the pros. And, and so, you know, having the injury, you know, made it clear that, um, you know, there was, you know, I needed to take a broader view. Um, I think, you know, it also helped uh, highlight the importance of education. Uh, and so now with uh, the company I run, you know, we, you know, we're very focused, it's a learning culture. You know, there's people that, you know, we can help make their lives better, you know, by uh, kind of skilling them around, you know, new technology and, you know, how it applies, you know, to what is a growing Field. You seem to be the kind of guy that learns from your mistakes. I mean, you know, when you're going down one path, if it doesn't quite work, you know, it's like, what can I learn here? Where'd you get that from? Where'd that come from? Uh, I think some of it comes from my, you know, the situation I grew up in. So, you know, there's not only learning from my mistakes, but learning from other people's, you know, mistakes. What are you talking about? What do you mean your dad wasn't there? That's right. My dad wasn't there. And so my dad, uh, you know, he made some bad mistakes, you know, in his life, you know, that led to, you know, my parents split. And, uh, and she was trying to, you know, put us in a positive environment, you know, away, away from him. Uh, and so seeing some of the mistakes he made uh, where he was, uh, he had opportunity, you know, he, he had a, I was the first male in my family to graduate from college. He had a football scholarship at a college uh, and then, you know, took a path where he didn't, uh, didn't finish. You know, it wow. made me motivated, you where know, to, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, mm-hmm. to succeed. Yeah. Where does the courage come from in a young teen who's living this rite of passage, has this legacy in front of you as well from your dad, where football is the thing, and then all of a sudden it's, it's gone from you? Where do you have, or where do, it maybe courage isn't the right word, but where does the courage come from to make the change to pursue something down a different path? I think, I think that the, um, you know, for me, it's, it's about competing and winning and it's just about shifting the aperture on you know what is uh is also is going to motivate you you know but but still 
you know, have a lot of the same characteristics of, you know, playing, playing sports. And so that's how I've approached business. I mean, the, the, you know, the focus on establishing a team, you know, bringing together different talents, but finding a way to win. So you were able to make that translation. So a team yeah. is a team. Winning is winning, and a team is a team. Whether it's football or business, it's all the same stuff to you. I think that's right. Uh-huh. Okay. That's, that's fascinating. And, and, and this engineering thing, were you in love with engineering, or was that part of the ride? I think it <coughs> I was you know, always took uh, a I took to uh, science and math uh-huh. uh, and you know I also came from you know in a, uh, a family of builders you know so I mentioned kind of what my mom did mm-hmm. uh, to help people you know rebuild their homes uh, uh-huh. my grandfather was a bricklayer uh-huh. <laughs> you know so I had that uh, and uh, and so being able to mm-hmm. uh, you know, build cool. technology what's and then build companies. What's the website address of this organization known as Radiant Solutions? Uh, it's RadiantSolutions.com. RadiantSolutions.com. We've been speaking with Tony Frazier, president of Radiant Solutions here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, there's something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it, one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, uh, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, Mm -hmm. parents, Mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Chuck Ockeltree. And Chuck, what organization are you with? the National Conference Center, and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And what makes this organization special? The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue. Um, it's not a traditional hotel. Mm-hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, mm-hmm. because of our size, mm-hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the corporate 100, corporate 500, as well as uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. we do a lot of business with Washington, D.C. Uh, government agencies. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about your job? What I like about uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you personally? What, what do you enjoy about your job? I enjoy that, that we've uh, had a very, very, very successful turnaround in mm-hmm. uh, the two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in mm-hmm. 2014 with Excellent. the new, new ownership. We've literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's which that mean? It, good question. It means that uh, 
Uh, we're involved with branding, mm -hmm. uh, everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and um, the business development. So you're actually going out there and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients, making sure that you know your services are valuable. We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, events What's as well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com. Let me hear that one more time. www.conferencecenter.com. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Kevin Robbins, Managing Director of Wolf Den Associates. Kevin, what is Wolf Den Associates? What are you guys doing? Wolf Den is a strategy and management consulting firm that helps participants in the federal market accelerate their growth. Wow. How large or how small is this organization? About 100 employees now, uh, and we serve about 300 clients. And how did you get a job with this company? Actually, uh, started it back in 2009. You started the business. Where are you from originally? So a uh, place called Glenar, Maryland, just about 40 minutes north of Baltimore. Uh-huh. And how many brothers and sisters? Uh, I'm the only. What makes an only child special? Your, your peers growing up are your parents, and so um, you, you, you tend to sort of have a, a probably more mature, earlier worldview. Uh-huh. Eight to 14 years old, what was going on with you? Uh, Mom and Dad were working, so I had a, a lot of free time in the afternoons as a latchkey kid. Um, idle hands being the devil's workshop. I uh -huh. taught myself how to cook uh, and then uh, started a couple uh, businesses around the neighborhood. Like what kind of businesses did you start? Uh, started off mowing lawns uh, and then eventually started, odd as it may sound, a, uh, a belt making business. Tell us about how did you know that there was a market for belts and what was involved in doing this? Sure. So we all had a, a pretty strict dress code, and um, you're always looking for a little, a little flair, a little way to differentiate yourself uh, in a crowd of 100 guys. Mm -hmm. um, walking through the mall one day, saw this really bright climbing rope, and and they were selling you know, 30 bucks a piece these manufactured belts, and I said, gee, I could, I could buy the rope myself and make the belts for a fraction of that, and I, I bet people would like them. So what happened? Uh, made one for myself as a prototype. It was hot pink and fluorescent yellow and in retrospect, pretty garish, mm -hmm. um, especially paired with a, a blue blazer and khakis. Mm -hmm. um, wore it in and after getting the eye roll from the administrator saying, well, you're technically in the dress code, so we uh -huh. can't say anything. Uh -huh. uh, instantly, you know, by recess, people wanted to know where they could find them. So you understand marketing. You understand where there's a demand, the supply. You understand the whole thing about business from an early age, 12 years old, uh, buying and selling belts. What kind of, um, what kind of uh, jobs did you have as a kid, and what happened at that plant nursery? Yeah, I've had, I've had almost every odd job you could have from dishwasher, prep cook, uh, short order cook, uh, you name it. Um, it. First real long-term job I had, 16, 17, was working at a, a, a big nursery, Valley View Farms. Um, they have a garden shop that's 20-some employees, and, and you've got to manage all of the pesticides and chemicals and everything that can go into a plant. You also have to diagnose all of the problems people come in with. You know, I've got this spot on this leaf. What is it? Can you help me get rid of it? Yeah. Um, I, you know. Well, you didn't have to, but you mentioned earlier in the green room that you memorized all the chemicals and all the other kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'd always been a little bookish, blessed with a pretty good memory too, and, and liked creative problem solving. And so I, I never thought those would get applied to uh, plants and their ailments. So what happened? They did. So what happened there? Uh, they run us through, you know, seasonal hires, uh, and they run us through a, a quick crash course to get everybody up to a, a, a common level of understanding. Mm -hmm. And um, it was pretty clear to my boss, Jimmy Benner, that I, I was able to memorize this stuff pretty quickly. I was fast on my feet, pretty good with customers, and uh, mm -hmm. he put me out in front of the garden shop at, at 16. Uh-huh. There's more to it than that, because what I understand is he put you in charge of 60 employees, most of whom were older, and you were opening and closing the place at the age of 16. Am I correct about that? Yeah, there are 60 total employees, 20 were, were in the garden shop, and uh, yeah, I, was, I would regularly open or close, and mm -hmm. sometimes I'd, I'd pull a double on the weekends. All right. David? So as an only child, mm -hmm. how did you, uh, and, and having a lot of time to yourself, how did that translate to managing people who are older than you? So again, I, I mentioned at the outset, uh, as an only child, your parents are your peers, and so, so the age difference doesn't matter nearly as much. And so for me, it was not very awkward. I was, I was used to uh, having people much older than me as my friends. I think for them, there was probably a little resentment mm -hmm. uh, and an awful lot of show me. David? As an only child, did your parents project onto you that they wanted the perfect student, the perfect athlete, the perfect whatever? It was less uh, sort of you know, Plato's form of, of something, right? There wasn't a, a, an ideal we were striving towards, but um, both my folks were self-made, and, and my dad was, was pretty tough at, at pushing and saying, hey, look, you know, you, you've been given a lot more than a lot of people, and with that comes the, the responsibility to do that much more because you've, you've gotten a head start. 
you got to use it. What do you mean he told you you were given more than you have to get? Well, what's that all about? What are you talking about? Um, you know, he, he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and, and um, you know, always felt like he was sort of envious of, of folks that, that had a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up kind of upper middle class, um, you know, he, he, I think, was terrified. I, I empathize now with my own two sons. How do you instill that work ethic in your own kid when they've grown up in, in uh-huh. relative comfort compared uh-huh. to where you started? But your dad was a doc. He was. He but was, he uh, didn't take it for granted, though. Yeah, Greg? he was an internist. He had mm-hmm. private practice. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, gotcha. I, I remember... So you're 12 years old and, and you decide to start a belt business. I mean, how do you market that? How do you sell it? I mean, tell us a little bit about that, Kevin. So I think I think I read the demand signal right, uh, and then I think the the belts kind of sell themselves. There's a it's very hard to miss in a sea of uh, of drab blues and browns, a uh, fluorescent pink or a flash of hot yellow, and and uh, once once you show up with those, it, it then it becomes oh I've got a green one, can I get a blue one? Hey, I like the blue uh, one. How about a pink so one? So you cross merchandise, William. Yeah, so your parents were very successful folks. Um, how did they keep you grounded? Uh, it, it sounds like very early on you, you started in a lot of blue-collar jobs. Yeah, uh, tell, us major story work ethic. tell us the story about the Mercedes and the dishwasher. Yeah, so before I could drive, um, I had a job washing dishes and, and prep chefing at a place called Pierce's Plantation, which at the time was a pretty nice restaurant. And uh, my dad would you know, come home early from work, drive me over, drop me off. Uh, and he made a point of, uh, particularly in, in warmer months, dropping me off in his Mercedes convertible by the back door of the kitchen, not not the front door of the restaurant, so that when all the kitchen crew was on their smoke break, they would see the uh, you know the affluent kid dropped off by his dad, and and none of them ever let me forget it on any of the shifts I worked there. What are you talking about? Uh, there's a lot of razzing. Uh, kitchens are um, it's it's odd in an era of Me Too, but uh, what goes on in commercial kitchens is almost unable to be printed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, physical and, and uh, sort of emotional abuse. So why would your father do that? Uh, I think you know I, I didn't play team sports growing up, and I think he knew that um, there's a real risk if you don't if you don't get that kind of uh, uh, what I'll call kind of patina on you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a risk of, of becoming somewhat coddled. So your dad helped you. Your dad helped you learn about people by dropping off in his Mercedes at the back door of the restaurant. Uh, Lester, yeah, why was it important for you to stand out and differentiate yourself, and how does that serve you now? Sure. Um, again, uh, growing up as an only child in a rural area, um, you don't have a big peer group, um, and it's you know probably a little tougher to make friends initially. And so I think I've always been a little a little bit of a classic extrovert in that regard, always looking for uh, that way to stand out, that way to make friends. So how does it translate now for how you lead and run your company? Yeah, we're, we are very different. Um, you know, Wolfden is definitely not like other consulting firms that are out there. Um, you know, most firms are named after the founders or uh, something iconic or, or acronyms. There's not so a lot of. So you've got Wolfden. Why Wolfden? Uh, Wolfden is uh, it's a couple things. Um, you know, we we like the social characteristics of wolves. They are they look after each other. They're apex predators. They're strong for their size, uh, and we really just more than anything we wanted to have a firm that. Uh, stood out from the crowd, uh, and it wasn't going to be Landy Robbins Associates or or something falsely patriotic just because we're in D.C. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what does make the firm special? Two things really: um, absolute dedication to putting the customer first, which a lot of people say it's 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 difficult to actually do. And uh, I believe people when they uh, when they tell me they've actually foregone revenue to make things right for customers. Um, it's then it's when it's real, not just a, a mantra on a marketing uh, brochure. Uh-huh. And the other, probably equally as important, is it's a true meritocracy. We we say best idea wins, uh, which which is great if you create a lot of good ideas. Uh, if not, it can feel like the tyranny of the best ideas. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization, Wolf Den Associates? Wolf Let me have that one more time. WolfDenAssociates.com. We've been speaking with Kevin Robbins, Managing Director of Wolf Den Associates here on Executive Leaders Radio. It's your host, Herb Cohen. Don't forget to visit our website. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues 
because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're you're well, you're running a twenty-four by seven facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage lights of the area registration process works and, and what kind of events are these are these just in the life science industry strictly in the life science industry why, why do you focus on the life science industry uh, we found that the best way to produce a high quality event is to really know your customer so we don't believe in numbers it's names we get to know each company we find out what their actual mission and goals are and we find the best way to deliver the value to them and are you doing this nationally or regionally we do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been building you've been building this ever since. What, what do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Olivia Trevisani Balker, CEO of, how do you pronounce the company's name? Amivero. Amivero. What is Amivero? Amivera is a DevSecOps, big data engineering firm focusing on Homeland Security. All right. And uh, where are you from originally? Born in Brooklyn, but spent the first 18 years of my life overseas. Where? Everywhere. Tell us. Every two years, uh, Turkey, Thailand, Trinidad, South Africa, Haiti, Uh Guinea. Why were you moving so many times? Why (laughs) did you move so many times? My parents were foreign service, so Uh State Department. How many brothers and sisters? An older sister. Uh Uh-huh. And what kind of sport did you play as a kid? So I was softball and basketball. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, basketball, what was your role on the team? Guard. Guard. What's the personality trait of a guard? 
um, kind of, you know, broad view. You're uh, near the point guard, so you help and assist mm -hmm. so that they can shoot as well as mm -hmm. shoot, but you're also kind of looking out for the whole team. Well, what's that have to do with the real role with this organization known as Amivero? So I think it is, you know, kind of seeing the big picture as a leader, having strategy, vision, um, also being able to always see when somebody's available so that you can pass, taking All advantage right, of opportunities. All right, so you started this business. And where'd you go to college? Emerson College for uh -huh. a bit. Did you graduate? I did not. Really? I did not. Uh -huh. I, I uh, After being overseas, I went to Boston for my freshman year, went uh -huh. through some culture shock. Do you uh, feel that you were crippled not finishing college starting this business? Um... I have always had a little bit of insecurity about it, but it's never stopped me. And uh -huh. William, what do you got? Yeah, I'm just wondering, um, you've got an older sister who moved with you nine or ten times growing up. Uh, well, what did you learn from her? What did she learn from you? So being the typical older sister and also into sports, she, she kept hitting varsity before me, the grades, the science fair, so definitely um, kept, you know, pinching at my competitive nerves um, but one thing I've also learned from her and gained from her is she knows me she's one of the few people that do because of the inconsistency and in, in who we had um, as friends growing up and so she just keeps me in line with who I am keeps me focused on my instincts so you work with your sister I do and she helps you keep focused on your instincts so yep. your sister what are you talking I thought business was all blood and guts what are you talking about yeah. your instincts no I mean she I'll I'll have challenges sometimes making a decision and she very quickly says go with your gut and I do and it, wow. it always turns out wow 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 it's instinct great yeah. well Olivia you told us earlier you grew up overseas and really have seen some crisis type situations and uh, it seems like you've taken that to your, your job today. Tell us a little bit about that connection. And mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I did. We, my father specialized in crisis management and um, always at the hardest times, you know, the bombing at Nairobi Embassy, apartheid in South Africa, oil embargo of Haiti. So I've seen a lot of people um, less fortunate. And so I really have a passion for homeland security and the pride of um, being American and what we have here and the way that we're able to help foreign countries as well. Um, what was so happening? You mentioned uh, last night and this morning. What was going on? You you, you got up at six this morning. What, yeah. was, what was that all <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, my, my son is probably on the way to the hospital right now. Yeah. He had a temperature and sick, but I, um, I support Customs and Border Protection. And because of the hours I was going to miss today, I was up earlier um, in order to continue to support the mission. So you're really, you're really committed to the mission. You're really committed to, and you're an anticipator as well. Yes. You don't like surprises, it sounds that, like. That's true. I'm control. Some would say controlling. Well, it sounds <laughs> to me like you're an anticipator and an entrepreneur. Josh, yes. what are you picking up? So, yeah, you mentioned earlier that you used to sneak out a lot when you were <laughs> traveling and whatnot. I'm curious how, you know, you were exposed to all these different cultures. How has that impacted your, how your, out to your outlook today? Yeah, I mean, I am like the least judgmental person, obviously, with the varieties of culture and people. And so um, I'm really looking for the strengths in everyone because everyone has unique abilities that I can apply to wait, wait, um, helping wait, wait, wait. a greater cause. You're telling cause. me that you, try, you lived in all these 18 countries or something like this, traveled and saw like really difficult circumstances. And you're telling me one of the benefits of that is that it gave you a broader understanding of everybody's strengths and you're using that in business now? That's correct because there, you know, in in when you're a diplomat or you're trying to be diplomatic in these environments, you know, I attended some trainings that said women are to be seen and not heard or things like that. You know, you you then take advantage of the opportunity and try to find new things about everybody, try to make connections, and when you're leaving friends every two years, you you quickly learn how to make friends and just appreciate everybody for what oh, they bring to the world. That. David? Um, growing up in, in these challenging environments overseas, uh, obviously safety is a big concern. You've got to really pay attention to things like how, something as simple as how you go to school in the morning. Um, what did you learn from that and from your parents and how to manage those risks and, in, and how it applies to your business? Yeah, so I, I definitely am a, a risk taker um, and am, am okay to fail because I've seen people fail and then succeed. 
But I think that, um, you know, just keep trying. Oh, change is good, right? It's the only constant. I grew up actually having traveled so much. I, I'm always kind of little, you know, needing some change. I had to ask for some help because I was moving so often. Yeah, tell, us, uh, tell us that story yeah. about what, uh, what happened there. <laughs> so, I, you know, I've been here in Virginia now for, I don't know, 15 years, and I've moved six or seven times and it's just because I get a little but the Foreign Service Youth Foundation they they said you know I need to just rearrange my furniture instead it's a lot less expensive that's not working so you so you got you got I mean you're sort of like addicted to change I mean because you moved around so many times and you moved around so they said move the furniture around as opposed to (laughs) selling houses so that I could get you know that that difference but it was not, it was not enough, so you know. But it sounds to me like you know you really developed a tight bond with your family because you move so much, and your sister really understands what's needed to ground you in terms mm-hmm. of business. I and speak to all three of them multiple times a day, every day. Well, William, what were you thinking there? Um, yeah, I'm just wondering. You, you've with all your travels, you've seen the best and the worst in the world. Um, our country is at a really unique spot where we couldn't be more divided today. Uh, what would you say to people out there about this country, based on what you've seen? <laughs> they should feel a lot of pride um, for being given the opportunities that we have here in the United States. And yes, there's challenges, but nothing compared to to, to what else is out there. Mm-hmm. You, you had mentioned also something about the culture shock earlier. What was the hardest part about coming back here, and how did you actually learn to deal with that? That's a good question. Um, the way I learned to deal with it was to turn to my family and to um, build my confidence, which happened to be through work. I, I got into sales and that immediate gratification kind of kept me, um, you know, feeling good about myself and made me feel valuable. Um, and uh, so, so how does it translate now into the things that you do and the way you lead and run your business? So again, sort of mission first. I also care a lot about people. You know, my my father, he did a lot for the foreign countries that we lived in. At the same time, he sacrificed a lot of family time in order to support them. So, you know, I'm trying to, um, I'm establishing and have established a culture where it's it's not about work-life balance because that's never going to exist. So instead, it's why not just enjoy the work? It's going to be part of life. You're going to be there a lot of time. Let's try to make it um, where, you know, you don't need the work-life balance. We're all just having a good time and helping others. So you're finding joy in everything you do as yeah. opposed to uh, work is work. Absolutely. Uh-huh. How'd you Absolutely. learn that? Um, seeing hardships, I guess, you know, just, I mean, I also saw the most beautiful sunsets of South Africa on safaris, right? I, I, I saw when I used to volunteer at the orphanages in Soweto in South Africa, they'd never heard music before. So when we did a bake sale at school and bought them a radio and for them to hear music for the first time and then dance, I mean, dancing is one of the most amazing experiences and the fact that they had their teenagers, some of them, and had never even heard music before. I mean, you just have to, it's a, life is wonderful. And what was it, what happened in Rome? So, so this is an, ex, you know, an example of where you don't, you know, you, you grew up overseas and you just think it's a little normal. So I was in boarding school senior year and I used to sneak out all the time and then sneak into the Coliseum or the Roman Forum and, you know, play Frogger and drink wine and, and then go to class in the morning. But you forget that's the Coliseum, <laughs> you know, yeah. until you're, you've left the country and everybody danger, wants to go huh? visit. <laughs> Little bit of danger. A little bit of danger, too, yeah. yeah. You know, excitement. I like that. So you've seen... Ah, so what's that have to do with building a business? Well, building a business is exciting. Um, it's the, you know, emotional ups and downs, but really I want to be able to provide for other people, you know, build a company that my son can be proud and enjoy being a part of as well as everybody. What's, the, what's the website address of this organization that uh, is Amivero? Amivero.com, A-M-I-V-E-R-O.com. Let me have that one more time. A-M-I-V-E-R-O.com. We've been speaking with Olivia Trevisani Balker here on Executive Leaders Radio, CEO of Amivero. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? 
Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? Wear Aware. And uh, what is Wear Aware? What do you guys do? We're a digital agency. Mm-hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically in Google. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, so we work with everyone, local companies mm-hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC mm-hmm. to really large companies that you might have heard of, like Pitney Bowes. Mm-hmm. So, and you're helping these folks. Your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes. So I, I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what do you like about that gig? Well, the, the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, mm-hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I love mm-hmm. the constant pace of change. What's the website address for the organization? It's wearaware.com. Let me have that again. Wearaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell no. It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you have to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Bostonbid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, 
We may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Steve Martin, who is the founder of Pace Harmon. Steve, what is Pace Harmon? What are you guys doing? Pace Harmon is a management consulting firm that helps primarily Fortune 500 companies answer the question of insourcing versus outsourcing mm-hmm. various large, business functions. How large or how small is the team? About 100 uh, consultants. Uh-huh. And uh, how'd you get a job with this company? Founded a company with one of my former partners from Deloitte Consulting about 15 years ago. And were you from originally? From the suburbs of Washington, D.C. and uh, the suburbs of Maryland. How many brothers and sisters? Uh, two brothers and a sister. And where were you in the pecking order? I was number two. Number two. All right. What kind of sports did you play as a kid? A lot of baseball and a lot of basketball. Uh-huh. What was your role in the baseball team? Baseball position was a center fielder, um, leadoff hitter, pitched um, in uh-huh. uh, what was your effect on the team? Were you the kid that caused all the trouble, or how did you affect all your other teammates? I think it was, you, as a leadoff hitter, you have to set the example. You're, you're the first guy up, and you, you have to you, you get on or you don't, and it's, it sort of sets the pace for the rest of the What's that have game? to do with your being, it says here, you're the uh, founder of Pace Harmon. What's the similarity between the role you had on the baseball team and what you're doing nowadays? I think you're, again, setting the pace. You're, you're establishing, as a leadoff hitter, what's going to happen the rest of the game, at least as far as that first or second inning goes. So. Mm-hmm. You so mentioned yeah. earlier when we were talking in the green room, something happened about the age of four regarding you and baseball. What was that? Uh, age of four, I have a very vivid memory of sitting on the front porch with my grandfather, first-generation American, just watching and or listening to the Washington Senators, and it, it, there was a, just a joy in that, that sort of environment. What are you talking about? What do you mean a joy? What do you, what do you mean? It was a, a deep sense of family. It was connected. It was this cocoon-like feeling the, you know, that he and my grandmother started and, and uh, my, my parents and siblings uh, sort of participated in. Where were your grandparents from? Uh, Russia. Uh-huh. And uh, t- tell me a little bit about how that cocoon that you felt has anything to do with Pace Harmon, this business you started. It gives us a sense of, it, it sort of instills a sense of humility and, and collegiality that, that is, is absolutely critical to the success of our company. It, it, it really drives our culture. Mm-hmm. William, what are you picking up? What are you thinking? Yeah, um, I'm just wondering, you, you grew up, you said, at this great cocoon of, of a family with a number of siblings. Um, was there competition amongst the siblings? Uh, and, and, and if so, how did that help you get the entrepreneurial spirit? So fierce competition between all of us. And as soon as the competition was over, there were hugs and, and friendliness. And I think the entrepreneurial spirit comes out of this, this, you know, wanting to, to sort of win, you know, this, we're always at it sort of, you know, everything is kind of a winner take all. And, and then this realization at the end of the day that, that we're doing this as a team, as, as, as you move into the team. Mm-hmm. Lester? Yeah, what was uh, mom's role in all of this? So mother was, uh, she worked until the kids were born and, and sort of was the center of the family. She was just, she was the culture of the family. Yeah, wh- and what did you take from her that you use today? Sense of, of humility, a sense of, Thinking about others, um, uh, putting others' interests in front of your own. David? That? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned your uh, father is a Ph.D. physicist and a professor. Was there a lot of expectation on you in, in terms of math and science and, and your career and studies? The, the, the expectation was not related to the subject. It was related to the work ethic. It was work hard, do the right thing, not, not uh, specifically the actual physics. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Tell us about Mr. Rooney. Mr. Rooney, my sixth-grade teacher. Uh, was passionate about math up on a whiteboard and, and just sort of instilled this level of enthusiasm in his in his students that, that sort of I take today. Yeah. What do you mean you take it today? What are you talking about? Meaning that it's, it's you, you get excited about something, you're going to do better at it and, and excel at it. And, and, and for me, it was math and, mm-hmm. and problem solving, which is what we do. So Josh? 
Yeah, you talk a lot about your family, and in particular, you've mentioned your grandfather before. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with him and how that has shaped who you are today. Vivid memories of growing up with him, saw him on a weekly basis, played cards with him, listened to the game, and uh, just a sense of of doing the right thing. I mean, everything everything he taught me was just, you know, again, like my mother, thinking about what others are feeling and doing the right thing. Greg? Um, you know, draw, draw some parallels for us between being uh, a dad and, and a CEO. Uh, as a CEO, you've got to give your, uh, your colleagues enough rope to pave their own way, but you've got to stay very close to them to make sure that they don't veer off the path. And, we, and my wife and I do the same thing with our eight-year-old son. What do you mean you do the same thing with your eight-year-old son? What are you talking about? You really think there's a parallel between being a CEO and a dad? I, I do. I think it's uh, with the son, to answer your question, we, we don't solve problems for him. We don't help him with his homework. Um, we, we sort of put him on the path, let him get as far as he can, and when he comes to us or if he's going off course, we help him get back on course. Mm-hmm. Great. Did you have another question? Yeah, there? getting back to business, uh, what, do you, what do you look for in your teammates? In our teammates, we look for a sense of humility, collegiality, team play, um, a, a self-awareness, um, and a, a, a deep sensitivity to our clients, a table-side manner, as we call it in our firm. Wait, wait, what do you mean a self-awareness? What are you talking about? Our clients are paying us a lot of money to serve them, and we've got to have a sense of, of where they're coming from and what our role is and what our purpose is. And so you, you have to understand their perspective, not just sort of our own agenda. So it sounds to me like you're really in the people business. You are really, it's what's really important to you all. It goes back to that cocoon thing, doesn't it? We are absolutely in a client service business, and which is which our, our product are our people. Uh-huh. So you're really concerned about bringing in the right people to begin with because it's not only how they're going to affect each other, it's how they're going to affect the clients. That's right. And, and we, you can have the smartest person, smartest consultant in the world if they don't have a, a sensitivity and a a sense of what the client needs, um, the effectiveness, the actual output is, is not presented in a way that is, is that makes sense to our client. What's your grandfather tell you every day? Uh, do the right thing. Think beyond yourself. Um, you know, uh, realize you're a, you're a, you're a small piece of a, a much larger world. And, and Josh, you have another question there. No. What is it about your grandfather and your father, the trait they share in common that you've picked up and run with now? It's uh, very trite sounding, but it's it's kindness and humility. Both of them just exuded it. Um, it's it's just a sense mm-hmm. of of you know doing the right thing and. and Ste- uh, Stephen, what's the website address for this organization, Pace Harmon? It's paceharmon.com. Let me have that one more time. P-A-C-E-H-A-R-M-O-N, paceharmon.com. We've been speaking with Steve Martin, founder of Pace Harmon, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Uh, Lester, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had an opportunity of speaking with? Sure. Tony Frazier, president of Radiant Solutions. We had Kevin Robbins, managing director at Wolf Den Associates. Olivia Trevisani, Balker, CEO of Amavero, and Steve Martin, founder of Pace Harmon. Excellent. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including David Kunzman, Pretori Law, William Tidwell, Cressa, Greg Kanapask. Did I pronounce your name? You correct? got it, Herb. Uh, KFA Wealth Management. Josh Levy, who is Brunch Digital and even less small in Vistage, for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope you're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for, for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, it's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, thank you for joining us today. And do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.